1: Everybody and welcome back to The Walking Dead TV Podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, here tonight with, for now, just Craig. How you doing, Craig?
2: Hey, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. And Jim should be joining us later once the kids are to bed. Everyone else just couldn't make it tonight. They apologized. They sent their thoughts on the episode, which we'll read later. But uh, for now, just Craig and I to talk about the season six premiere of The Walking
2: Dead. Yes, mano y mano, and a lot to talk about. What an amazing season opener and that's how you fill an hour and 30 minutes that's what i'm going to say for right now
1: <laughs> yeah with a thousand zombie extras uh it was pretty cool um yeah, and I, I guess we should say, speaking of other 90-minute premieres, if you haven't heard us in the last few months, uh, welcome back. Uh, if you uh, missed our Fear the Walking Dead coverage, be sure to check that out. Even if you didn't like Fear the Walking Dead, which I know many, many people didn't, uh, there are definitely hosts of this very program that would agree with you for much of it. So uh, you will have catharsis if you listen to those episodes um, with your, your thoughts being parroted. So, but uh, now we're here to talk the main Walking Dead show. And this was definitely a return to form. This is a very cool episode. Um at 90 minutes. I, I think the general reaction I've been getting from people is like either best episode ever or one of the best episodes ever. I thought it was solid. I don't know that I'd go so far as to say, you know, best episode ever, not even best season premiere. I think I liked last year's season premiere more. But it was really good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking it.
2: No, I agree. If I track my buster ratings over the years, I would give last season opener, and I did, give it a five. Um you know, I'll go into what I think about this one later. I don't think it was any better than that one. Let's just leave it at that. It was a great an hour and a half of television. If The Walking Dead can keep this quality coming, um, there's no stopping the show.
1: And we're joined by Jim. How you doing, Jim?
0: I'm a little bit late from helping Carol with her casserole, but I'm good. Thanks.
1: <laughs> what did you think of the season premiere?
0: I loved it. thought it was great. Um, I liked the little um artistic license with the bl- flashbacks in black and white I thought that worked really well I love the the um explanation not only of why we had so many zombies but the fact that there were so many zombies um i I don't know I just really it's it's pretty much everything I look for in the show good character moments lots of zombie action uh high tension stakes good storytelling all around i really I really enjoyed it a lot i was I was very happy
1: so shall we get into the recap
2: let's do it let's
1: Alrighty, Season 6, Episode 1 was entitled First Time Again. It was directed by Greg Nicotero and written by Scott M. Gimple and Matthew Negrete and aired on October 11th, 2015 with a running time of 66 minutes because it was an extra long episode
0: seems like a lot of my favorite episodes are the Nicotero and Gimple conflagration like the two of them working together either Nicotero directing and Gimple writing or since Gimple's been the showrunner Nicotero just directing and stuff those tend to be a lot of my favorite episodes and this is no exception.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll agree that collaboration between Nicotero and and Gimple is definitely the best. I mean, Nicotero is by far their best director. And he's really just the special effects guy that has morphed into their best director and he's just amazing at it. The actors want to work for him and you can tell Gimple really was the best writer on the show and then hence has become the showrunner. so when you get those two together those are the two heavyweights by far
1: we had a number of guest actors in this episode we had Ethan Embry as Carter Corey Hawkins as Heath uh, Kenrick Justin Green as Scott Michael Trainer returning as Nicholas Jason Douglas returning as Tobin Austin Abrams returning as Ron Ted Huckabee as Bruce Dahlia Legault as Francine Anna Mahoney as Olivia and introducing Major Dodson as Sam Anderson.
0: Now, uh, you guys know what happens when the cast gets this big on The Walking Dead. Huh?
1: <laughs> it means a surprisingly few amount of people died in this episode. I was expecting yeah. a lot more, actually, with all the, the new faces and the, you know, the the red shirts and such. Only one death. Spoilers. But, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. It seems to be with these openers, it seems to be a three-episode arc. I don't know if it's intentional or it just seems that way. I think we're going to see something in the next couple of episodes, for sure. They seem to break it up into chunks. And, uh, like, even the preview that we saw, the Comic-Con preview, the, the trailer, I, I should say, that seemed to be more clips than just from this first episode. It seemed to be over the first couple, three. So we may see some carnage of the main characters coming. Well, and soon. I should
1: be clear, I'm not saying that the lack of deaths was a bad thing or something like that. I was just kind of surprised, that's all. You know, especially with the stakes they were dealing with and the sheer number of bodies they were dealing with, both undead and alive. Um, I was just surprised it wasn't more carnage, but yeah. I'm sure we will get more throughout the season.
2: Yeah, I guess the only one to die, if we think about it here is was just one character was introduced today. I mean, in, in that first show, and that was it. He introduced and then did in, in one show.
1: Yeah, although I got to say uh, that was Ethan Embry's Carter. Had I not known that he was not in last season, I would have just assumed he was there. Like, he fit in very well and very, you know, he felt like he was already part of the DNA of Alexandria, and I thought that was a pretty good accomplishment, that, you know, it already felt like, oh yeah, this guy's been around, right?
2: Yeah, very good casting. In fact, you almost mistake him with Tobin. You know, he's kind of that same character. I think almost.
1: I did in a few scenes, actually. He looks a lot like, he looks like Tobin if Tobin lost, like, 20 pounds. Yeah, not, that, yeah. not that he's overweight or anything, but he's just, like, a, a bulky dude. Yeah, This was, like, the skinnier version. And slightly shorter, I think, as well. So the main conceit of this episode, I guess we can say, is that we're being told one story in two different time periods. We're being told one story
2: about a week. Would you say about a week
1: after last season's finale? Well,
2: four four days to a week, maybe. Let's think about this, because they're burying the bodies, and that's when they find the, the walkers in the quarry. And then his so heat, that's
1: a day later. Then they have to, like, build the walls right. and move them in
2: there. So maybe w- within a week, I would say. Because as his wounds start to heal on his face, I guess, that, if that's a telltale. Well oh, that's
1: another—that's a good idea, yeah. I think about that.
2: Yeah, so they, they went deliberate to show it. It's maybe within a week. I mean, they wouldn't let that quarry sit there for, let's say, two weeks. They, they want to take some action on that pretty quick.
1: Right, I, I think for convenience' sake for the for the sake of our episode here, I'm going to say a week later, but it might be a little a bit less or a little bit more, who knows? But so we're being told that story of a, of a problem they're dealing with that they've come up with an interesting solution to, but we're also getting told the story to us of what happened directly after the series, uh, the season five finale, and everything leading up to this week later story. And the, the main uh, way we can tell that in the episode is that the week later stuff is in color and the flashbacks to right after the season finale are in black and white, which evokes the comic, which is in black and white. Um, it evokes the first season, which they released later in black and white. There's actually quite a few callbacks to the first season in this episode, which I'm sure we'll get into. You probably caught most of them yourself just watching the episode, but you never know. We might, we might call out something that you missed uh, along the way.
2: The one thing with the black and white, let's just talk about this for one sec. I remember watching the season one in black and white and then comparing it to this one. This seemed a little darker, a little grainier to me. I don't know if it was just... That was a style choice they did, but it was, it was I mean, maybe, maybe it's my direct TV signal. Maybe it's just crummy and it's, you know, pixelating the whole thing, but it just seemed kind of grainy and dark, whereas the first season that they did in Black and White looked cleaner to me.
1: Uh, it's possible. It could be just a different DP, a different focus puller, that kind of thing. Um, it could be the, the, did they film the first season on film Maybe they did. Oh, you're
2: right. They probably did, and that's why. That's a good point. So maybe they're now they're shooting digital that, you know, it looks it looks better. looks different when you convert it to black and white because they were saying on The Talking Dead that um, they originally tried to do it like a sepia tone or a washed out tone and it didn't look right. It looked funny. It looked too bright and cheery. So they said, let's just make it black and white, the flashback scenes. And that that was what they agreed to. And it kind of it definitely worked.
1: Yeah, I think I think it worked. It was definitely different than those first season episodes in terms of the actual like, color saturation, but I wouldn't say either one was necessarily better than the other. They were just different. Yeah, it
2: didn't it didn't bother
1: me.
0: In a weird way, it's like a shout-out to the comic book, which has always been in black and white. Right,
2: exactly. Yeah, and it was a couple of framed shots that it looked like it could have been ripped from a comic book. Obviously, I don't think it was necessarily some of them with Morgan being in it and all that, but they definitely framed it like it was a comic book frame. I like that. One quick thing, too, though, before we get into this one, I guess I missed the, the what do they call the stinger or the after episode scenes from the last season finale where Michonne puts the sword, takes it off the wall and puts it on her back and they see the wolf pack. I totally missed that and I thought that was the cold open for this week's show and there was no theme song after. I'm like, what is going on here? I, I, I must have totally missed that. I guess that was on me. Or I think DVR a lot of people it
1: missed it last season actually. Uh, it was just one of those things where, for whatever reason... I mean, it's not like they do it all the time, but they do do it occasionally, um, particularly last season. I think they did it two or three times with like Morgan stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of people missed it with the season finale uh, it, last year. It was
2: just so funny. I'm like, where's the theme? What's going on here? What are they doing? They're going to commercial about this Kung Fu show. What? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so we
1: start the episode with... Not even the last moment of last season, but actually the second-to-last moment, not counting that uh, the post-credits scene, if you will, where it's uh, Rick shooting Pete, uh, which I, I guess there was some confusion last year. Some people weren't sure if he actually shot Pete or shot Reg. He definitely shot Pete. Um, and it fades to black in that moment, but as it's fading to black, it's also going to black and white in that moment, which was a nice touch, kind of letting you know both things. And then, I think right from there, we go to the... You know, to a week later, if if that's what we're calling it, in color, right? Isn't that the next thing then with the quarry?
2: It jumps around so much. I mean, yeah, it, it, the story weaves back and forth through time, and and yeah, it goes from black and white to the color scene at the quarry where Rick is organizing the group. That's correct.
1: So so they're standing at the top of this quarry which hey if we're, as we're talking about flashbacks to the first season or references first off this episode is called First Time Again Morgan's there just like he was there in the pilot we've got a quarry just like we had in the first season I don't think it's the same quarry I mean I recognize it's not the same quarry in the fiction but I don't think it's the same one in real life either I think this one is slightly bigger um, but there, Rick is outlining a plan because this this, uh, quarry is filled with thousands of walkers. They had, I believe they said a thousand extras, but they've obviously digitally replicated them to have probably tens of thousands in this quarry. And they're going to lure the walkers out of the quarry, away from the safe zone. Um, and there's a bunch of trucks blocking the different entrances. But as they're working on the plan, which they're not going to carry out right then. They're going to do it later. This is just the dry run. One of the trucks blocking the way of the zombies falls into the quarry, just from all the zombies pushing against it. And they decide, well, we're going to have to do it live. We're going to have to do it now. Even though we haven't really gotten a chance to, uh, to work this plan out, we have no other choice but to do it now. And so they put their plan into, into action.
0: He even says, he makes a reference to Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, we'll do it live. He yes. says we'll do it live.
2: I thought the same thing. I was thinking that in my head. I'm like, do it live. That was just perfect. I, I don't know if he channeled that or not, but it sounded just like that. And getting to the CGI, I thought they did the, the walkers very well. And it's hard to make people motion with CGI. I mean, they did a really good job. You really felt like... Well, was it CGI
1: or was it just digital replication where m- they film a thousand standing over here and then they move them over and then thousand over here and then move them over again and then digitally composite it.
2: I, I guess they had to manipulate it somehow digitally but it looked very good the part that didn't look good and i'm sure you all agree with this is that truck falling off the cliff
1: it, yeah, looked, it was a little dicey but
2: i mean they spend so much money on special effects i mean they can't get a little bit better cgi than than that i mean a truck falling off it just looked very very false to me very fake it, it took me out of it for a moment
1: I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. At a certain point, this episode looked expensive. If there was one thing in it that didn't work as well, I'm not going to worry about it too no, much. It, 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 is... it was such a small part of the episode. We were already moving on to like seven other things. It was like, okay, I guess that didn't look very good, but whatever. Yeah, we're, we're moving on to like a zombie getting its skin ripped off as it pushes its way between two trucks, which
2: looked awesome. That was a great effect. That was an amazing special effect. And that was practical. I was watching The Talking Dead afterwards. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They they took strings or something and made his skin rip open as he walked past the trucks. and Prosthetic.
1: Prosthetic, prosthetic. Uh, skin, we should say. Not his actual skin. No. Not,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not his actual skin. And they said that was the same walker that killed Dale, incidentally.
1: Right, which he, that walker has been in, the, they mentioned it, has been in the show multiple times. I forget all the other ones. Um... Because I know for a while it was like Greg Nicotero, who was the reoccurring zombie we'd see all the time. But it seems like this other guy has kind of taken up that mantle as Nicotero has moved more to directing. Yeah.
0: Speaking of Dale, I'm I'm pretty sure that later on, one of those blockades that was made of trucks and RVs that really looked a lot like Dale's RV to the point where I'm like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs)
1: So we get to a flashback uh, showing the events leading up to Rick executing the plan. Uh, following the town council meeting, Deanna mourns the loss of Reg while denouncing Father Gabriel uh, because he deserves it. Uh, Morgan tells Rick about the wolves and the things that happened in the past when Rick hears the sounds of digging in the background or in the distance. And that he goes and finds Gabriel and another Alexandrian burying Pete and Reg's corpses. Um, Deanna shows up and tells them to bury Pete's corpse outside the safe zone, which was uh, mm-hmm. Rick's idea in the first place.
0: Um, here's the important part about the scene okay Rick tells them that no we don't bury killers inside these walls and then Deanna backs him up right that's the big thing like yeah. there's a moment there where you're not sure whether Deanna going to side with Rick or, or side with the preacher but then he side, she sides with Rick and that is like something that's very important through the rest of the episode that Deanna has thrown her a lot in 100% behind Rick
1: which I understand the sentiment of what Rick and she are saying But I've got to agree with Morgan later on in the episode, who points out, like, you don't burn any killers in here? You're a killer. I'm a killer. We're all killers. If you're not a killer, you're not alive at this point.
0: It's like giving out speeding tickets at the Daytona 500.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So Pete's son, Ron, overhears this conversation, and he follows Rick and Morgan outside the safe zone where they're going to bury Pete's body. Well, where Morgan's going to bury it and, and... Rick just wants to kind of leave it there because screw that that guy. But Ron attracts some zombies. They follow him. Uh, Rick and Morgan fight the zombies off. And in the process, they discover uh, that there's this quarry filled with zombies. And they more or less realize that it's, it's kind of become a natural walker trap where you get a few zombies in there. They make noise. They can't quite get out. More zombies hear them. They fall down into the quarry. They can't get out. They make more noise, which attracts more zombies. So at this point, you've just got tens of thousands of zombies trapped 20, 30, 40, 50 feet down in this giant pit where they can't get out of it. For now, there's trucks blocking the way, but if they ever get past the trucks, the town is going to have a huge, huge problem.
0: And this is the interesting thing, I mean, that Rick points out, that this is why Alexandria has had it so easy throughout the entire apocalypse. This is like been a natural barrier to their city, and that's why.
1: Sort of like the swamp yeah. at Herschel's farm.
0: Right, exactly. And uh, I, I also have to say, these, these scenes with Rick and Morgan that are kind of peppered through the whole episode are probably some of my favorite scenes in the whole uh, of the series. Oh, yeah. Just those two actors working off of each other and the history that they've had during this series as characters, it just the, those scenes really clicked for me. I really enjoyed those a lot.
2: Their a- acting is superior. And if we think about it, though, I mean, Morgan's only been in two episodes with lines, right? The other ones he's kind of peeked in and, you know, you see him at the end uh, of the credits.
1: Three. Uh, the pilot clear, and then the finale last year. He had a few lines. Remember, all life is precious, Daryl.
2: Okay, so he had a few <laughs> lines. All right, a few. Well, acting scenes with Rick, I guess we'll, we'll qualify it that way. There we way. go. Yeah, this is only the third time. It's only. The, and, and and they do seem so natural. In fact, I note that I noted that in my in, in my notes here. Just superior acting. Even that scene. Not to jump too far ahead, but on the on the porch, where he hands the baby over. Just they, they just excellent excellent acting on, on on their part. Lenny James, by the way, his credit was in the top billing. Uh, on the on, on the show where the, where the credits are. So that was pretty good. Looks like he's here to stay, I hope. <laughs> let's,
1: let's hope so, for sure. Yeah, they, they've definitely got that British uh, pretending-to-be-Southern-American uh, camaraderie
2: going on, that's for sure. They got it down.
1: And there's a few lines. Uh, I think the line that really sticks out is you ask, I answer. That's a direct call back to something from the pilot um, between them, only it's reverse this time. Rick saying you ask, I answer, where in the pilot it was Morgan saying it, that kind of
2: thing. I totally missed that that's such a great call it was from the pilot wasn't it because he thought rick was bitten he was in bed or something like that right you ask i answer i'll shoot you
1: when they said it in this episode i noted it as being a very strange line and then it was on reddit yesterday that i saw someone posted the screenshots from both scenes i was like oh right of course it was a callback which is why the line sounded so strange but it makes sense in the so comments. you
0: should have that. just taken credit for knowing that
1: <laughs> no i'm not that I, my memory is terrible So at the end of that scene, uh, Rick kind of yells at Ron. This is, of course, Pete and and Jesse's son. He kind of dresses him down a little bit, says, you know, this is dangerous. You're going to get yourself killed. You shouldn't follow us out here. I don't care that you want to see where your father's buried, yada, yada, yada. But by the end of the scene, Rick has joined Morgan with digging a grave. He wasn't going to do it at first. Now he's going to do it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So Rick heads back to town uh, with Morgan and Ron, to warn Alexander about the imminent threat. He comes up with this plan to release the walkers from the quarry and then lure them about 20 miles away from the safe zone. So get them away, move them slowly, just kind of death march them from the quarry up the hill. They're going to follow, you know, cars that are making noise and it'll just, they'll follow the noise, they'll follow each other. And as long as we're careful, as long as we're safe, we can get them far, far away from the safe zone and not here as this imminent pot ready to boil over and
2: kill us all.
0: Now, was well, this about the time we get that re- really good scene with uh, Rick and Daryl?
2: They jump back and forth so much. It's, it's right. hard. Yeah, it, it is towards the middle with, with of the, the episode.
0: W- You're right. Yeah, I think it's about this time. Because, I mean, that really stuck out for me, too. That scene with Norman Reedus and, and Andrew Lincoln, where, um, you know, um, Rick's telling Daryl that, you know, they shouldn't let anyone back in, and Daryl doesn't agree.
2: Yeah, they shouldn't go um, recruiting. And then there's a black and white scene. Then after that, where he says, "Look, you—you you know, I'll follow you, Rick. But really, we should be looking for people. You got to reconsider this or something." Right.
1: So while they're planning this uh, this trek to to get the zombies out of the hole, uh, most of Rick' group's volunteers to help. Uh, while many of the Alexandrians balk at the risk, Deanna, however, approves Rick's plan. And uh, Carter, who we're introduced to here who, spoilers, he's going to die by the end of the episode, Um, he's kind of the most vocal opponent to Rick at the town meeting. But I, I I think it's attributed equally to the writing and the acting. I kind of really understood where this guy was coming from. At least for me, he did not come off as, like, you know, petty or as just a coward. All the things he was bringing up were very smart, logical things of this might not work because X, Y, and Z this is probably a really bad plan. Now, obviously, we're supposed to disagree with him because he's opposing Rick, but he was making really good points. So kudos to the writing and to the acting there that he didn't just come off as some weirdo jerk.
2: Yeah, and they, and he also mentioned that actor was on The Talking Dead, and he said that um, he was playing that character, so either he got this direction or it was in the script, I don't know, but he was playing this character as if he was Rick that didn't have any experience in the world. He was Rick in the walls for the last two years. That's who right. he was, without without the knowledge of, of the carnage that's out there.
1: So, later on, Carter goes and he organizes a secret meeting. Uh, it's him, I think it was Holly Tobin and the woman who fell from the crane last season, and I forget her name, I liked her, but I can't remember her name, Um, they're organizing the secret meeting where Carter's saying, we should kill Rick, he's going to get us all killed, we should take him out first, and Eugene overhears them, but he's discovered because he's clumsy and drops a jar, and Carter is about to maybe kill Eugene, or at least just threaten him, when Rick and a couple others walk in, Rick quickly disarms him and is about to kill him, when uh, Morgan tells him, yeah, there's no, was it Morgan or Daryl? One of them tells him basically, Rick, don't shoot him. That's a really stupid thing to do at this moment. I
2: think Daryl no, just said says, Rick, no, right? He just said, he Rick. said
0: Rick. Yeah, you yeah. just said, or he said, like, Rick, you good? Yeah, that's. Rick good. Right, and then Rick said, yeah, I'm good. And they, he, he, he he flipped the gun around yeah. and, and put it away. Um, speaking of Eugene, there's that awesome scene, and I think it might be before, right before this, too, where Eugene's guarding the gate, and Heath and his group come back.
1: Right, right, right. And,
0: like, like as they're walking through, he's like, hey, I really respect the hair game, dude.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Some great lines in this one. Seriously, that was a good scene. And I like the character of Heath, by the way.
1: Heath is a cool character. I I like him in the books as well. Um, I I did notice, and this was a good thing, I thought, in some of the, um, like, the the behind-the-scenes photos we've seen of Heath, I didn't think the wig looked very good. But actually in motion on the show, I thought it was just fine and passable. Um, as I can almost accept it as his real hair. It's enough that it's not distracting.
2: It's not any worse than Michonne's, right? I mean,
1: Michonne, though, at least has the headband most of the time, yeah, which cover covers the hairline. Mm-hmm. He does not have that, um, and, and it would be nice if they got him something. But yes, the, I respect the hair game, or respect the hair game line from Eugene was quite awesome.
2: Very, very cool. And what was Eugene doing in the commissary? I mean, obviously he was going for a midnight snack, right? Is that what he was doing in there? Uh, probably, yeah. Okay. I mean, so he's going for a little, little snacky-poo, and, and they're having a clandestine meeting in there. Uh, just great, great acting, Uh, what's his name, McDermott, the, the, Josh McDermott is his name, he's yes. really, really good acting, I mean, you could feel the fear coming from him through the screen, even the way he was sweating, and just excellent, excellent acting and on like his you, part.
0: And like you said, Jordan, the guy that played Carter, too, really acquitted himself, well, there's that scene where he's holding the gun on Eugene, and he's thinking, well, if he's really going to go through this plan, he has to kill Eugene, but then he's like full of hesitation because he's killing basically an innocent man. And this is, like, something that, you know, our group has dealt with time and time again throughout the the course of the show, but, like, these people in Alexandria haven't.
2: Right. He heard us. He heard us. (laughs) Uh
0: And the people, even, and even the people he's trying to convince are all, like, kind of, you know, gobsmacked that he's actually considering shooting this guy, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was smart usage of who they decided to put in that meeting, because all of the people in the meeting with Carter are people we've seen in the previous season, and none of which were painted as villains in any way. They were all pretty, you know, painted as pretty decent people. Even like Tobin, who may have been a bit of a coward and not the best foreman when it came to building the walls, you know, he was man enough to, to step up and say, hey, Abraham should be in charge, it shouldn't be me. Like, all of them are people that we at least don't dislike, which was a smart choice. It wasn't just randos in there or, or something like that. Um, they, they made very good choices with who to have there.
0: And they immediately threw him under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, Rick uh, walks in, and he's like, uh, you know, Eugene's like, they're talking about, you know, taking you down or whatever, Rick. And he's like, and the, the, I think it was Tobin or one of them. Yeah, Tobin. He's like, he's talking about it. Right. <laughs> and, and to be and fair, Carter, like, Carter just, owned up to we're it. We're not with him.
1: <laughs> so, to be totally fair, uh, Carter owned up to it. He's like, it was me. I was the one who said we should kill you. Don't take it out on them. So good for him at
2: least. And of course, that's the scene where you say, "Do you have any idea who you're, you know, who you're talking to?" Did you notice they they used used an alternate reading? Did you notice that? Okay,
1: did I notice (laughs) my favorite line from that trailer? Yeah, it was still a good, it was a good reading of the line, but it didn't have that same inflection on. You're talking like that, that specific uh, turn of phrase. I
2: mean, we wouldn't have noticed it if they didn't play that preview a hundred times in the last three weeks, <laughs> you know. But you, you're expecting to see it that way on the screen, and then it comes in a different way. It's like, okay, that was an alternate take they used on the preview.
1: That happens all the time in trailers for movies or TV. So I've kind of gotten used to it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was all like quoting along with the TV, and then it was like, wait a second, that's different.
0: And I also noticed during the scene where Rick is getting his band together or whatever to do his, uh, his plan. You know, Father Gabriel volunteers, and Rick's like, no thanks.
1: Yeah, that was in
2: my I notes, too. I so yeah. hard at that. Yeah, he goes, I'll do it. He goes, no, anyone else? No. Anyone
0: else? <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty much anyone else? <laughs> Does anyone he, of the is kids want to
1: volunteer? Anyone who'd be you know, less useless than Father Gabriel?
0: Uh, anyone, anyone not totally useless? Anyone?
2: There's a lot of time weaving here, so my notes are kind of in order of the episode, but there was a scene where uh, Carol was called out by Morgan, saying, you know, hey, you look like you're, were you a cop, too? You're very aware of things going on around here. Very, very cool scene with those two. Yeah,
1: I hadn't thought about it, but they've never met before. He has no idea that she's become this. Well, first off, he has has no idea that she was never a badass, but he hasn't seen her become this badass either. But Morgan is smart enough to pick up on the fact that she is so much more than she lets on. Yeah, oh yeah. Yet another reason to love Morgan.
0: Well, yeah, she has to tell him that um, she's been with Rick since Atlanta because, you know, like you said, Morgan's never met her.
1: But she, interestingly enough, she chooses to continue to play dumb or to play demure. Like, she's, she's not trusting him. She goes, which, aren't you sweet? Aren't you <laughs> sweet? Yeah, here's some water. <laughs> all, all I'm going to say is, if we trust Carol, and I tend to think that Carol's pretty trustworthy, she might make you know, the hard calls from time to time, but she's, she's one of the smartest characters on the show. If she's choosing not to trust Morgan, does that mean that we shouldn't trust him either fully?
0: I don't think so. I mean, Rick's pretty open and trusting to him. I just don't think she is familiar enough with him yet. You know, what I mean, to that's, a, that, that's a fair point to make that judgment. You know, one short conversation really isn't really enough, at least in my experience, to really judge someone's character. So
1: yeah. I, I would say it's definitely worth noting that scene, though, because since they chose to write and show that scene, it will probably come back up later. In one form or another. And I'm interested to see how that plays out.
2: And in in the town hall meeting as well inside the house, she even was saying, oh my goodness, I'm so terrified. We (laughs) have to do something or something to that effect. So she's still playing that role very, very well for the Alexandrians.
1: Right. Uh, In the present, Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham are using themselves as bait to lure the escaped walkers away from Alexandria. Uh, Abraham and Sasha are in a car. She's driving. And Daryl's on his motorcycle
0: coolest shot ever or what oh yeah (laughs) Norman Reedus on that chopper and like hundreds of walkers behind him yeah just out of reach and it was such a a
2: long shot too it was what 90 seconds probably well they they time jumped it though they they started him coming over the hill then they time jumped then they went back to him coming over that hill excellent excellent shot
0: Mm -hmm. really good stuff
1: uh, meanwhile, Glenn, Nicholas, and Heath are proceeding with their part of the plan. Uh, there's a there's a uh, was it an auto parts store, I guess, or a, a dealership? Like a tractor that supply
2: some, company, uh, some kind of farm, yeah, that's what it was. Tractor supply. And there's,
1: there's zombies inside, so they got to take care of them before the big you know horde of zombies gets to them, because the noise is going to distract the zombies. And they've got cars and walls set up to. Um, kind of herd the zombies and forced them down a certain path, but they don't want any distractions. So they're going to have to go in there and kill the zombies. There's some funny stuff where they, they're going to have to get the door open. They get the door open and there's a fence behind it. So they have to shoot out the windows. It works out. Everybody's fine, but this is mostly our main scene where we're not introduced to Heath, but we're showing that Heath is capable. He's a funny guy. He's a nice guy. Um, and he's going to fit in well with this group, I think. <laughs>
0: Plus, we get a little, a bit of redemption for what's his face. Um, yeah,
1: Nicholas gets to I mean, at least buy back his way to only kind of terrible.
0: Right. Exactly. He's not. He's not totally cool yet, but he's he earned a few brownie points this time.
1: He's definitely recognized the error of his ways, or at least recognized that his current, his previous path was going to end with him dead, and he's at least trying not to die anymore. Whether or not he is totally on our side or not, we'll see, but he's hmm. at least wised up to the to the fact that he can't act like he's not on our side.
2: I still don't understand why this guy's around i mean I, I think I do. They're trying to show that Rick would have taken him out. Glenn is a different person. he's trying to redeem this guy and have some redemption right. in him. but I mean let's go through let's go backwards a little bit, Nicholas, he got Noah killed, then he took Glenn out to the woods and tried to kill him last episode. Or I guess it was the last episode, yeah. It yeah, was It was a season season finale. Round, so I mean and, and now all of a sudden they'll give or take a week, right, because of the time jump. Now all of a sudden he's on Glenn's team. Now Glenn's saying you gotta keep in line, you better follow every word I say. He did make a few comments like that. So I, I think that I don't know why this guy's still around. Maybe you guys have better thoughts on this than me.
1: Well, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It's to show that Glenn is more of a human, or a humanist, if you will, than than Rick is, and he's willing to forgive. And, he, you know, we're trying to see how this society is going to work, this this post-apocalyptic society, and Glenn is trying to make it work in a way where just because someone screws up once or twice, even if it's a big screw-up, if they are willing to work at it, if they are willing to try and better themselves, we have to at least give them a shot. Because otherwise... We are just cutting our numbers smaller and smaller.
0: Plus, there's that old adage about keep your enemies closer. You know, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. I mean, if I were Glenn, I would want to keep an eye on Nicholas. That's a good point. You know, I mean, after everything he had done, who's to say, you know, he's not going to try to, you know, do something else even more horrible when everybody's out trying to fall, you know, put this plan together, you know?
1: Well, plus, I, I re-watched the finale right before the premiere since AMC was running a marathon of it, mm-hmm. and... Definitely watching them back to back, you you also got to remember where they were at the end of last season, where they were ready to kick Rick out because he had been waving the gun around, was, you know, acting all crazy in the street, had to be knocked out by Michonne. And if Glenn had killed Nicholas or had come back without Nicholas, that would have just added fuel to the fire of this town not trusting them. And by forgiving Nicholas and bringing him in and somewhat getting him on their side, it's going to do a lot to repair the relationship between the two groups inside the walls. Or at mm-hmm. least it's going to not harm them irreparably like it might have if he killed Nicholas. So that that's just my thoughts on it based on last mm-hmm. season as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's interesting. and I like the scene overall. That was a really just simple scene where the zombies were coming out the window. And they just were taking them out almost single file. I thought those are really, really well directed scene again. I mean, the way they use the camera angles and the the gunshots is just just great. Keep it up.
1: So the walkers are continue continuing walking down the road the the large horde of them Carter's watching them as they they head down the road away from Alexandria he realizes that Rick's plan is working and he apologizes for his earlier actions and uh, Rick says you know Rick more or less forgives him and says they need to watch the the zombies like cops at a parade and they're going to fan out single file more or less along the road and any stragglers that come away from the group just kill them and make sure that you know if you have to fire your guns keep the zombies moving in the right direction all that kind of stuff um carter runs to the front but he misses a zombie who has been stuck at the side of the road like in between two trees and the zombie grabs him bites his face and carter starts screaming which starts attracting more walkers to leave the road rick has to you know leave the group and run over to uh to carter and uh, put carter out of his misery after killing the zombie and uh, they're more or less able to get the zombies back on the road at least at that point
2: Yeah, and I don't know if this is the scene or not where they were banging against the fence and their heads were exploding. That was
1: a great shot. I love that. I mean, the CG was a little dodgy with the splatter. It seemed a little bit excessive, but the idea of it was really cool.
2: Is it just the weight? I mean, I'm just trying to figure this out. So the the weight of all those zombies making that turn and their bodies are so rotten that they just smash it against the, the wall and they explode, essentially is what it is.
1: I don't know if I would say they were exploding necessarily so much as it was just like as the heads bang into the wall, like whatever goop and viscera is kind of loose on them is just kind of splashing off. But it looked more like they were using so much gore that it looked like explosion. But I don't think that was quite accurate, if you know what I mean.
2: I I think they used it just right, too. They didn't overuse it. It was cool. I, I liked it.
1: It was a really neat shot. So everything, more or less, seems to be going according to plan, as rushed as it had to be, when a loud horn starts blaring out from a far distance away, back of the town, which attracts the back half of the herd towards the sound, and Rick and Michonne immediately realize the sound is coming from Alexandria, and they rush back with Morgan, and the episode ends.
2: Yeah, there was a scene, though, and we may have, again, It's very a lot of interweaving in this show. There was a scene There's a lot of back and forth. Yeah, with Jesse and Rick. I wanted to know... Right. I thought it was a little clunky. I, I didn't like that scene, to be honest with you. I thought... Um, I don't know if the writing was off or the acting was off, but it just didn't seem very natural between the two of them. And they I mean, couldn't she just say, Look, man, you got to give me some space. You killed my husband. Just back off for a while. But no, she just... It just was clunky. I, I don't know. I guess typical well, walking I think dead. the
1: point more was, you can't speak to my son that way. You just murdered his father. He's yeah. not going to listen to you, no matter how smart and true the things you're saying to him are. You are the worst possible mouthpiece for this advice. Leave him alone.
0: There's also the scene where uh, Rick's talking to Deanna about arming and training the people of Alexandria. It was one of the flashback scenes, I think. Yeah. Um, and while it's, while that's happening, a small herd of walkers like hits the build site, and they're like, it shows how like ineffectual the people of Alexandria are, because Morgan has to rush in and help.
1: Yep, against Rick's orders. Rick is like, nope, let them do it. You have to let them, let them f- f- spread their wings a little bit. But Morgan is not willing to do
2: that. Right. Yeah, because he said at the beginning of the episode, "I don't take chances anymore," or something like that. Or, you know, I guess, and and Morgan threw those words back at him. What do you mean you don't take chances anymore? You let these people almost get killed. Essentially, is what he was what he was saying. And, uh, it shows, you're right, how unprepared the Alexandrians are just to face a few, with half a dozen walkers in the, in the forest. They're just, they're ill-equipped to deal with them.
1: While they've got, like, long-handled weapons, shovels and picks right on them, it's not like mm. they're just, you know, standing around being ambushed right. by them. They have ample warning, they have weapons, but they are useless, more or less.
0: Well, I also like the way they did some of the cutting too, like, that scene with Rick and Morgan on the porch that you were talking about with Judith when he's laying here holding him. but he's like, you know, the asked uh, him, you know, he talks about the fact that he didn't have to kill Carter because that kind of person, you know, will die no matter what because it's over for people like him in this kind of world. Right. And that was and used then, like, after he was dead. That was used after yeah, he was, was killed already. already. Yeah. So the, the way they right. wove and that the in was right very after. cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: And they're, they're still keeping up with the idea of Michonne not fully sure if Rick has lost it or not, which I like. Like, they're keeping it in the background. I don't think she says anything directly to him, but there's a lot of shots of her just watching him do things and more sodding with Morgan than with Rick.
2: Here's a question. Do you think that Morgan is going to play the role that Tyrese played in the comics a little bit? As Rick's constantly, constantly airy and you know, kind of his other, his, his conscience a little bit?
1: Um,
0: I could, to- I could totally see that. I mean, it, it... In, in the comic, like you say, you know, there's a much more um, a nuanced character than what we ended up getting in the show. And Morgan seems to fit, fit that bill as far as having that kind of depth and being able to talk to Rick that way. You know what I mean? You really, like, get it, you know, like... Like when he tells him later, he kind of calls him on his bullshit. Like, you don't take any chances, like you were saying before. You know, you took chances with all these people's lives. And, you know, he kind of calls him on stuff. But, like, I really... I'm glad they kind of worked their stuff out in this episode and they didn't drag it on. You know, for the whole season, I really like the scenes with between them, and you just showed like this kind of mutual respect for where each has come from, what each has had to go through. And uh, my favorite line in probably the whole episode was the one uh, with Morgan and Michonne. Oh, with peanut butter, the Michonne, peanut butter. Pre- and he's like, "Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you take one of my peanut butter protein bars?" And she's like, "No, I didn't." He was, "I could have sworn there was one left." That's great. She goes, well, that's the that's the way the world is now. You always think there's one more peanut butter protein bar left. I'm just like, that is awesome. Great great writing there. Really fun.
2: Yeah, definitely fun. I, I I, mean, Daryl is not so much Rick's consigliere, although he is to a certain extent. He follows Rick's orders. Rick says do something, he'll do it. Morgan is more of his conscience, it seems like. And those two, I could just watch them, like you said, talking to each other, dialoguing with each other, at each other. For a whole episode, almost. And we did see that in Clear, obviously, although he was he was a little crazy in that one. A little? A lot crazy in that one. <laughs> uh, just great acting. And, I, I, and you're right, the Tyrese never materialized. I don't know if that was the actor, Chad Coleman, or whatever it was, or the writing just didn't. But the, we never saw Tyrese like we saw him in the comics. And this it just popped in my head that he was going to be filling that role, it seems like. It.
1: I, I mean, I would almost say that carol is more filling that role i mean i'm trying to avoid spoiling anything from the comic but i would say morgan is more filling morgan's role than anything else but yeah for me i'd say if anybody other than morgan is filling that role it's carol like she might be a little bit more of a dark conscience but she's not so dissimilar from from someone who would fill that role
0: well, I mean, you make you, you make a good point because I mean, in this episode, he's you know he comes to Carol and tells her to keep an eye on Alexandria. It's not like he goes to Deanna or to goes to you know anyone else who's going to be left behind or who's not going to be part of the the mission or whatever. He goes to Carol, you know. He, he so yeah, he he is. A, I mean, after all they've been through together. It's not, it's not surprising.
1: Like, Daryl might be the one to, you know, like you were saying before, you know, he tells Daryl to do something, Daryl will do it. He might not agree with it, he might tell Rick that, but he'll do it. Carol, if she disagrees, she might not do it, and she will tell him to his face, that's a terrible plan. And right. they'll, they'll either come to, to terms with that or they won't, but she she's the one person with the stones to be like, nope, that's not going to work for X, Y, and Z reason, here's what we're going to do instead. And I think in that case, Rick probably would listen to her in most cases. Because he, he knows enough to trust her and that she's the smartest person out there by a good mile in terms of survival anyway. So that's pretty much the plot of the episode there. Like you guys pointed out, there's a lot of flashing back and forth. I'm sure we missed some scenes. We kind of went back to some of the major ones that we missed. But there's a ton of stuff there. It was a 90-minute episode, like we said.
2: The overhead shot was awesome at the end. Uh yeah. great crane show. I mean it wasn't crane, it was obviously digital CG you felt like you were in a helicopter, but either way, amazing pan out at the end just to see the scope of all those walkers heading right towards Alexandria, and it was just really well done.
1: And because they had been in a straight line, when all of them suddenly turn left, now you have just almost like a revolutionary war or a civil war-esque, like just line you know, line after line a mile long of zombies coming in a single direction, you know, which is pretty awesome. And that that shot is great because you have the trees breaking it up. But so as the as the shot keeps pulling back, it's not till you get to the last few seconds of the pullout where you can see in the upper right hand corner of the screen where there's a couple of like open spaces where you really see just like the scope and the breadth of how many zombies are just. Heading all towards Alexandria. My only complaint about that shot, because I agree it's gorgeous, is I wish the camera had panned over a little bit to give us some sense of what was causing e- either some sense of what was causing the horn sound. Obviously, it's a horn of some type, but I'm curious where, um, or at I least to show, that, actually, at least to show us how far away they are from the town. Like it would be great if the if the shot pulled back, panned over, and you could see, you know, we're a quarter mile away from the town, or a half mile, or two miles, or whatever it is. You know, just to give us that sense of space would have been nice.
0: The uh, I think the horn being sounded... Pete's son is named Ron. Yeah. Uh, the yes. older son, yeah. I think he's trying to mess with Rick's plan on purpose and like, make sure Rick's plan fails so Rick fails. I was it thinking that be. too.
2: Uh, I thought he... Alright, if it wasn't him, he may turn into part of the Wolf Pack later on. And if it, if it wasn't him, maybe it was the Wolf Pack doing the horn as well. So it's either him or the Wolves. I can't imagine it being... Somebody else, although they could introduce another enemy this early on to really mix things up. I'm sure it's possible, but that would sound like a train horn. To be honest with you, that's what that sounded like. Or maybe a diesel truck horn, like kind of like could the trucks be. they had at that at that you know that that trap they had set up for um, for for Daryl and for uh, Aaron. I guess his name was yeah at the at
1: the uh, at the, the cannery yeah. at the
2: cannery yeah. So it it could have been a truck that they retrofitted with you know with the air horn on it. I I don't know. I mean, it's definitely something with Ron, but it may not be what we think it is.
1: So let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor really quick. Of course, our sponsor is Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com and their sister site, InStockTrades.com. Look, comics are expensive. And here's the way DCBService works. You go there, you see which comics are coming out this month and next month and the month after that, and you tell them, hey... I want these books, then they send you those books in one nice box, or you can space it out however you want, whether you want books every two weeks, every month, all that kind of stuff. You get them at a super deep discount, we're talking 30%, 40%, sometimes even more than 50% off on these books. They send them to you, you get them, you read them, you enjoy them, and you save a ton of money. They don't just have comics, though, they've also got comic-related merchandise, hats, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, statues, the Funko Pop vinyls, like I have a few of here on my desk, all that kind of stuff. If you like The Walking Dead, you're going to be able to find awesome deals on Walking Dead-related merchandise at DCBService.com and InStockTrades.com, and you're going to save a lot of money on those, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. So shall we give our buster ratings for the episode, gentlemen? Aaron and Rich obviously couldn't be here tonight, but they both sent in their thoughts for the episode, so since Aaron's name comes first alphabetically with a double-A, let me give his first. He says, yo, uh, that might just be to me, and not in part of the... uh, part of his busters, but I'm going to read it anyway. Yo, my thoughts on First Time Again. This episode came very close to being pretty much a perfect episode of The Walking Dead. That doesn't make it the best, but it was very satisfying for a number of reasons. While a gimmicky way to combine two episodes, I loved the flashback structure. I was also very happy with the amount of character focus in the midst of so many walkers on display. Morgan is a terrific addition to the cast so far, and I'm also excited for learning more about the members of Alexandria. Glenn may be being set up for an untimely end, but I do like the to to have him working so er, so closely involved with the man who tried to kill him. Best of all is seeing Rick in no-nonsense mar- mode to a dark degree. More curious than ever to see how things progress for his character. And can we please have him flat-out shut down Father Gabriel more often, please? 4.5 out of 5 busters. And you can read his whole review over at theyoungfolks.com And I agree. Can we please shut down Father Gabriel more often? Because that was awesome.
2: Yeah, we can keep him alive if we keep doing that. <laughs> I give it 4.75 out of 5, and as I alluded to at the beginning of the show here, the best episode I've seen in the series have, has been the last season opener, season 5 opener, and I think before that would be the season 3 opener. Those would be 5 out of 5s for me, I, I've given those, looking back at my Buster history, I did give them 5s. This one I'll give a 4.75 again. It was very entertaining. The action was just intense. The scope was bigger than we've ever seen before. I like the interweaving with the creative time jumping and the black and white, the non-black and white. I think they may have done a little bit too much of it, but it worked though. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't pull me out of it, but I did like it. Um, the editing, of course, w- 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 was very good. Greg Nicotero, excellent director. I mean, you really doesn't get better than that. Scott Gimple writing it. It doesn't get better than that. And hell, like I said, watching Morgan and Rick just dialogue at each other again excellent excellent episode i'm looking forward to more this season 4.75 busters for me rich
1: says here are my thoughts this was the best season opener by far this episode titled first time again is spot on this feels like a new show with familiar characters uh, it was all hitting all the notes on the theme of Walking Dead by dealing with their zombie problems, but focusing on the humans and their reactions. I really enjoyed the relationship building with Glenn and Nicholas's friends. The scene with Maggie and Tara showing us that enemies can become friends and almost like family. Uh, Morgan and Rick talking about who they are and what they know about each other was great. I hope we get a good flashback or two to see what Morgan uh, went through since Clear. I'm a big fan of Ethan Embry and was excited he was on the show. I was hoping he would be a character we would see for a while. However, his character served a good purpose of showing us how far Rick has come in dealing with this world. If not for luck in the wall, Embry's character and most of the Alexandrites would have been dead long ago. Do we see a little of the Governor in Rick? Has his heart hardened to where he cannot have some inner peace? Are Morgan and Rick going to split due to each character's shift in the way we think? Who is honking that f***ing horn? This was a great episode. Very little to complain about. Great zombie scenes, too. The tight-squeeze walker that lost half his flesh to the side of the truck only to take a Dixon bolt to the noggin was awesome. I give this episode five stars, and it's a bias to boot. Looking forward to awesomeness this season.
0: I give this a 475 as well. Uh, Great episode from end to end. Good direction, good writing, good character stuff, and good zombie uh, you know, stuff as well, which you know is a good balance. Uh, that sometimes they it's hard to find on this show, but they definitely found it in this episode. I again, I like like Aaron and, and everyone else said, I like the flashback uh, sequences, I like the structure, the, the black and white, and the color. I Thought it worked really well. The juxtapositions of the different, you know, uh, f- flash forwards, flashbacks it just really, I thought it worked, you know, fired on all cylinders. Great stuff, 475 for sure.
1: And for me, I'm going to go with Aaron and give it a 4.5 out of 5. I really liked it, but there was a couple parts where the 90 minutes showed the, showed how long it was, if you will. You know, There was a lot of cool things that they were able to use that extra time for, like we talked about that really long shot of uh, the zombies all following Daryl. But there were also places where I was like, yeah, you could have trimmed 30 seconds of that, that, you could have trimmed a minute off that. Is this particular flashback actually that necessary? It was all interesting stuff, but a lot of it felt like it could have been cut without really... Losing anything from the episode, still really solid. The zombie action was great. The character work was great. It just could have used some of the fat being trimmed, but still very solid. Four point five out of five from me. But who cares what we think? Who cares what our listeners think, Jim?
0: Well, we uh, it's funny you ask, Jordan, because we have a... Is uh, it really
1: that fa- funny, since I ask every single week?
0: More funny peculiar than funny <laughs> It is weird that I ask the same thing every week. Know, it's almost like every, I can't find an answer to my question. It's almost like Pinky in the Brain, you're asking if I'm pondering what you're pondering, and I'm never pondering what you're pondering, Brain. But anyway, that was a digression. Uh, we have a great Facebook group, it's called The Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group, oddly enough, since it is named after the show that you are listening to, called The Walking Dead TV Podcast, and... We are over 600 members strong. We have a lot of great discussion, uh, good news uh, our, um, feed there, uh, a lot of really good community there has grown up on the Facebook group. Good discussion, really uh, respectful discussion, too. There's not a lot of trolls, not a lot of flaming on that part, just a lot of people talking about The Walking Dead and being being fans like we are. And we ask you every week to give your buster ratings for the episode of Walking Dead. And this week, being the premiere, of course, would be no exception. Uh, Seth Tillman. 4.5, Carter's Missing Cheeks, a uh, great start to the season. I loved how the flashbacks fill in the blanks while the story also moved forward. Jenny Cox, a 4.5 cuts on Rick's face. Yeah, he was kind of looking like Marvin Sin City there for a little bit. With like, I don't know, 200 uh, Band-Aids on him. Uh, there was so much going on in this episode. I enjoyed the massive Marvel Walkers and the execution and moving them away from Alexandria. It's nice to know how they're able to stay safe for so long. Is this the first time black and white has been used for flashbacks? I think so.
1: For flashbacks, yes. That, Like we said earlier, the first season was aired one once or twice on AMC in black and white. Um, and the pilot more times than that, I think. But uh, this is the first time in episode from the beginning we've had any black and white that I can remember.
2: I anyway. think they did a scene where, on the barn loft, where Rick was talking to Carl. And he played it back. They, they went back to that scene from season two. I think that was in black and white. And I forget even where they even used that flashback, but I do recall it being black and white. I, I could be wrong.
1: It's possible. Was it black and white when we saw it the second time, but it colored the first right. time we it, saw it? Right, it was the
2: color the first time when it happened in the episode. But then when when it was called back, and again, I forget where which episode it was used in. I thought it was black and white. It, it's like where Rick is saying, you know, I'm going to die, your mother's going to die. Oh, I know where it was. It was where uh, Carl killed Lori. that he was playing that back in his head, that, that scene where where Rick was giving him some good advice.
1: Okay. But this would be the first time we've seen new material in black and white probably.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, continue on, Jim.
0: Uh, Susan Monk, three out of five pizzas that Glenn should be delivering, <laughs> although he'd <laughs> totally be the pizza shop manager by now. Uh, She revised that down from four after thinking about the black and white more. It just didn't feel right, even though it looked amazing. Uh, They didn't have to go so far to let us know it was a different time. So she gave out uh, a minus one for dumbing it down. Uh, Brent Jones, solid four. Judith looked just like Shane out of five. Ow. Oh, OPP. Uh, No complaints here. Uh, Excellent job of filling in the backstory while jumping into the season. I never laughed so many times at a Walking Dead episode. Uh, everard Santa marina a 4.5 go big or go home out of five while they really outdid themselves i'm wondering when this will play itself out literally this may there may be enough action from this incursion to last a whole season uh, my favorite was eugene though each of his scenes were cringeworthy deliciousness kept by his one-liners um i i don't remember rick's crush having an older child uh, do, do we know about Ron last season? Really, it's that bad that I don't even remember, bother remembering the names of the cast anymore.
2: We, we saw yeah. Ron, Ron last year once right. or twice, yeah. W- wasn't he right. the original love interest of Enid? And then I Carl think showed up? We meet
1: him in the first scene that we meet Enid in, but I don't know if yeah. they ever portrayed him as a love interest, just that he's one of the other teenagers there.
0: Yeah, but I definitely get the point he's making Is the cast is getting pretty big. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be time, time for winnowing fairly soon, I think. Uh, Mike Jones, four Lost-style flashbacks out of five. I enjoyed the style and black-and-white color of the episode. Simply put, it's nice to have some Walking Dead worth caring about again. Ouch. Ooh, what a burn. Uh, Max Silver, 4.5 Lookouts Carter should have had out of five. Uh, that was one fine episode, so glad it's back. Uh, David B. Third, 4.5 Black and Whites out of five. I, it was lost with the flashbacks for a little bit. Get it? Lost. But really enjoyed how they tied each flashback to the present events. Uh, Trish Terrell collins uh, four busters out of five. Carter couldn't save face in the end. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) See what you did there, Trish. Uh, But the best news is Morgan is back, and Lady James's name is in the main cast credits for real. Uh, Tarek Awar, uh, looks like I'm breaking the four-score mold here. I'm giving this episode five creepy Eugene smiles out of five. Honestly, found nothing wrong with this episode. It brought out every emotion in me. Looks like Alexandria has to learn the hard way how to survive the Walker apocalypse. Uh, Belinda Ake, I feel so out of place too long over artsy-fartsy trying too hard episodes out of five. Ooh. They could have done all this in an hour, taking the extra long commercials and shove them where the sun don't shine, and save trying to shove their other over. Leave violent content down my throat. Uh, and Robert Negro has three get carters out of five. I want to watch this one again. I was hanging on the edge of my couch, which is good, but I did have issue with the zombie pen concept. Uh, I also didn't think, I also didn't not only did I think it was too convenient a threat and too improbable for the, that many to master, I noticed the trailers in the quarry didn't seem to be blocked off underneath. Well, I I, I, I don't know. It worked for me. That wasn't a sticking point for me. Well,
1: I don't think the idea was ever that no zombies could ever get out. It was just that they were blocked in enough that only a few were getting out from time right. to time. So, I mean, I, I, th- I think that still works, but I totally get what he's saying.
0: Uh, Hezron Mack is four. We need some comic relief, please, out of five. I thought Eugene filled that fairly well. <laughs> a great episode. Just felt it dragged to some of the flashbacks. Somebody better give Rick some sex and compassion. <laughs> He's being written as a grumpy old man. <laughs> uh, Paul McEachern. Well, to be fair,
1: he is a grumpy old man. You know,
0: he has a lot to be grumpy about.
1: Yeah, that's true. He's earned his grump.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Paul McEachern, uh, five out of five busters. One of the most expansive WD episodes yet. The choice to shoot in black and white for past and color for present was a fantastic convention, and I loved it. Uh, Luke Smith posted a picture of Sam Neill and Laura Dern from uh, Jurassic Park with the quote, "They do move in herds." <laughs>
2: That's great.
0: Uh, five out of five ricks for uh, five out of five ricks. Comical band aids from Judith Matthews. Uh, love the humor. Uh, creepy gooey walkers. <laughs> Eugene stumbling. Protein bar missing. Flashy backy episode. The Walking Dead rarely does flashbacks, but this time done perfectly. So glad it's back. Loved every second. So good and well acted. Even the bratty teens were perfect in their whiny, annoying, beanie-headed ways. <laughs> well, there's some grumpy, uh, grumpiness for you. Uh, Alan Ruglidge, a 4.5 out of 5 Abraham foil blankets. I really like the stylized black and white to color contrast. Very reminiscent of a Better Call Saul episode in Style and Pace. Yeah, that's true. Like when they showed him in the Cinnabon or whatever, That was, those were black and white sequences, mm-hmm. right? That's
2: true. Yeah. But that uh, was like a flash so forward, th- though.
0: Right, right.
1: Te- technically, yeah, that's that is the exact opposite. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, Judith Matthew, Matthew says it stomped fear into the ground. I hate to say it, but fear is like what? There's Walking Dead. Ooh, I sense a rivalry. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry-Sherrington. Uh, welcome back to The Walking Dead. Great start to the series. I'll it four Sunday walks with walkers out of five. It loses a point for the worst CGI truck ever at the start, though. <laughs> uh, looking forward to Rick and Morgan working together, or maybe they'll be against each other. And as a bonus now, we get Talking Dead over here in the UK every week now, straight after.
2: Maybe it's worth mentioning Dead. that The Talking Dead is also going to be on The Fear, The Walking Dead, starting next season. Yep, every episode. Every episode.
1: And next week on The Walking Dead, not only are they going to have Kevin Smith, but also Paul Bettany is going to be a guest on the show. How mm. weird is that?
0: Wow. Chris Hardwick's getting a lot of paychecks.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, Tanya, Ro- yeah, he is. Uh, Tanya Royston, a solid four out of five. Who ate my last peanut butter bar? I <laughs> uh, really love seeing new different pairings uh, of our family. Eugene's comic relief was much needed as I nibbled my nails to nubs. Wow. Carl Hooker Maybe it's the contrast to fear But gives us five Morgan's Creamy Peanut Butter Protein Bars Out of five Love the back and forth Even if it was a bit deliberate at times uh, Good pacing of action Mixed with character development My guess is that Gabriel is blowing the horn Because, well That would just make the most biblical sense Oh, wow That is
1: true That's a really good point Yeah
0: yeah, I kind of like just that a, Yeah and he did just get snubbed by Rick again. So. I
2: mean, he's he's definitely off his rocker. He left the gate open last the season finale. I mean, yeah, it's it's possible. Wow, good 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 call, good prediction. Yeah,
0: and he led all those he led all those walkers from that elementary school last season too. Yeah,
2: he's a, he's not good. Yeah, you know, good good
0: uh, good call there, Carl. Uh, if you would like to let us know what you think about each episode of The Walking Dead, we'd love to hear about it, and we'd love to have you in our Facebook group. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the segment it's called the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group uh, oddly enough and uh, we'd love to have you join so please do it's a great community of fans oh and I also wanted to mention the ancillary uh, Facebook group Stuff and Things
1: uh, yes, our, uh, now that one has spoilers just as a warning that was specifically created as a side group that does have spoilers for the show and comics so right. if you want to stay Facebook, away from them which I totally get right. stay away our, from that one
0: too our Facebook group is spoiler free for the most part Uh, But the Stuff and Things Splinter group is full spoilers, comics and show, and a little more irreverent. So if you appreciate that, uh, check out their Facebook group as well.
2: And it's Thangs, T-H-A-N-G-S. Yes,
1: like Rick would say it.
2: Like Rick would say it.
1: So that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Of course, we're going to talk about what's going to happen next week on The Walking Dead after the end here, but if you don't want to be spoiled, we totally get it. Until next week, though, you can send us an email, wdtv at hhwlod.com. Dot com or follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey Jim is at Yoda Jones and Craig is at auto chat show and Jim you can be heard on the DCTV podcast every week here at HHWLOD.com. Thank and you. Craig uh, your show uh, the auto chat show can also be found on iTunes and all over the place on the internet.
2: all over the place just do a search and yes we have plenty of episodes next episode we are reviewing the Chrysler 200 in case you're wondering should be a lot of fun.
1: And of course, head over to HHWLOD.com to check out all of our many podcasts on a plethora and multitude of topics. All very nerdy, but all very fun. So check that out as well. And so until there's no room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, respect the hair game. Have a good week, everybody.
0: Take care. You always think there's one more
1: peanut butter protein <laughs> bar. You really do. But Isn't that how it always works? I guess. it's the way the world is now. All right. So next week on The Walking Dead, of course, if you don't want to know anything, cut out now. We won't be offended. See you next week. But. Bye, Jerry. Next week on The Walking Dead, Season 6, Episode 2 is entitled J.S.S. And the brief synopsis we have from TVGuide.com, which I've got to totally agree, disagree with the first line here, but it says, As things begin to return to normal, what? A new problem arises for the Alexandrians. I guess they're really trying to avoid spoilers, but things did not seem to be returning to normal to me from this episode.
0: Mm-mm.
1: And the, the scene we got from Talking Dead was uh, Enid, good old Enid, uh, heading out into the woods by herself. She finds a zombie by a car. She kills the zombie. She takes its jacket. She hides in the car, and then in the dust on the window, she writes, watch me. No, she writes J-S-S. And that's all we got in that scene. So is that a code? Is that uh, just her doodling? Does it have some type of message? We shall find out next week, We'll find out. All right, have a good one, everybody.
2: Right, check, used to be
1: a now. we don't know, They don't got they just while. quick as a the family, Check, check, Audio, and, uh, audio. Let's try this call and response. Just count down the numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, that should eight. probably be fine. Okay. Yep. I, I've been thinking, I've been trying to come up with an idea for like, what's the, what's the easiest thing for, cause you know, the, the first like 20, 30 seconds of every episode is just testing, testing, all those kind right. of things. And so I can't really use that to line it up. And then it's trying to find, like, when people are having a conversation, sometimes that's not for, like, two minutes into the file. And, true, true. And then it's only two people, so then the third person, he's all out of whack, and I don't know for a few minutes. So
2: Right. No, it's a good idea to count it down. Like, you know, again, when, when I record with Teddy, uh, I just go, and this is Teddy K. And he goes, hey, what's up, everybody? And, like, that's his intro, and I line it up to that. Uh, but it's just him. When you got three or four people, it's kind of right. hard to do that, right. I guess. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> know how the
1: counting thing would work with that. <clears throat> Unless I went one, everybody else went two, then I said three, everybody else went four. I don't know. I'm still working on it.
2: All right, Jim. Three, two, one, record. Boom. And Ooh. Jim, we were trying this earlier,
1: just and uh, rep- uh, not repeat after me, but continue the sequence. One. One. Two.
0: Two.
2: Three.
0: Three. Four.
2: Four. Okay, that'll work. That works too. No. What
0: <laughs> the hell are we
2: fighting for? <laughs> Introduced and wasn't he introduced last season as you know that that was that was our running joke every
1: episode where we'd say and introducing Major Dodson, Uh, what's her name? Alexandra? Not Alexandra. Dear. No, 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 Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Her name's Jesse. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you know, Jesse's name. What's her name again? Jesse.